Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 37. This episode is a recap of the Sinclair Tractor Auction in Sigourney, Iowa. The auction took place on December 11th and sold somewhere around $11 million worth of equipment and was for the most part low hour and late model stuff. I was there myself and so were my guests Aaron Fennell of 21st Century Equipment, David Gibson of H&R AgriPower, Kurt Miller of Heritage Tractor, and Jack Berg of Bodensteiner Implement. We talk about the results and what the outcomes will have on the used equipment marketplace heading into the end of the year and the start of 2018. Because of schedules, Aaron and David were interviewed separate of Jack and Kurt. I have Aaron Fintel and David Gibson of H&R AgriPower, Aaron Fintel with 21st Century Equipment. Uh, today we're going to talk about what we saw happen at the Sinclair auction that happened over uh, on Monday and kind of give a rundown of that and kind of what we saw happen as far as values and, and then kind of what the climate was at the auction and um, what we saw happening on the internet as well. So Aaron and David, welcome. Thanks for being on the podcast. No problem. You betcha. All right. So let's just jump right in here. So Aaron, you were, David and I were both there on the ground, but, but you were watching it on the internet. So yep. what were you seeing happen on the internet and what was the, what was kind of the atmosphere you felt like happened there online? You know, it's, I, I had the, the sound up too. So I heard everything you guys heard. Um, it was pretty crazy. Honestly, there was a lot of, you know, as you're watching there on the internet and you, and we got, you know, I had a theoretical buy bid in mind on every piece that was on there, all the powered units. And you would, you know, as soon as that lot would come up before they're even selling it, the internet bidding would jump, 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 and pretty soon help pass, <laughs> you know, what, what I had in my mind is a good buy number. Um, and it did that on numerous pieces. It was, it was, I've, I've never really seen it do that before where they're not even selling it yet. And the internet bidding just takes off like fire. Um, all in all, I thought, you know, it seemed like very little of it, or I shouldn't say very little, but less than half of it was, was sold to internet bidders. Um, and it seemed like a substantial amount of it went to end users, which, you know, reflects in the price. It was, they ought to be very, very happy because I think it was extremely strong. Good. Now, David, when we were sitting out there talking, and to me, it didn't seem like there was, I mean, I think it started out, there was quite a few people there. And then as, you know, as obviously like any auction, as the day kind of tells on, the crowd got smaller and smaller, but to Aaron's point, when I would watch that, it seemed like a lot of that stuff stayed right there in the ring, and not a lot of not a lot of internet stuff was going on. What's your reflection of of kind of what happened there, and and then maybe jump in with some of the stuff that you maybe talked to some other wholesale buyers and and jockeys that you might have ran into? Sure. Um, well, I have first off, I you have to give kudos to uh, Sullivan Auctioneers. They just they they run a quality show, and the the neat thing they do about those big auctions like that is they will waive the proxy bid fee. They eat that. Um, so really, there's no other than being there and, and seeing the equipment. An internet buyer, there's no benefit. He's not paying a premium 
to uh, purchase the he, – he doesn't have to be there, I guess is what I'm saying. And, uh, you know, the, the, the main jockeys were there. Um, you know, they, made a, uh, they probably bought 12 to 15 pieces there all day long. Um, didn't know what to expect when I saw their sale bid on you. I wanted to go. Uh, I was blown away with how well things sold because there are a lot of just repetition of units. You know, 9470Rs, S680s, S690s, um, you know, all very close on hours. And, uh, I was just, I went there not really knowing what to expect, but I was just blown away with how well things did. Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, I think the way they had that stuff set up in the overall screen scheme of things was really benefited the way stuff sold. Because, for example, like they would, they had all those S660 combines there and those, those, uh, the way they had it set up, it went, you know, S690, S670, S660, and then about five or yep. six or seven pieces went sold in between that. And then they had another set of three <clears throat> the same way set up. Yep. So, I mean, they really, there wasn't anyone going to get tired of watching S660 sell because you know, by the time no. you get the last one, you're at the very end of the line. At the very, yeah, very end. A, a neat thing for for me was typically when you go to a, an auction up in the Midwest like that, nearly every combine there will be two-wheel drive. But, you know, there were probably a dozen four-wheel drives, which that's important to me because we're in a primarily – well, we're in a 100% four-wheel drive market. So you really got to see – how much a two-wheel drive versus a four-wheel drive would bring, and um, I don't. It just. I was really surprised. You know, they say at auction, if you if you have a big auction like that, it's fifty to sixty cents on the dollar, and, and I don't know where they were as far as what they had in the equipment, but man, they had to be happy with what they what they accomplished there on Monday. Yeah, no doubt about that. Aaron, what do you think about? You know, you look at the values and what, you know, what what you and I do and, and what David does as well, but we are always looking at what we have, you know, when it's the end of the day, if we have to punch our ticket and jump out, what that's going to look like. Um, how do you feel like uh, the values went? I think everything was ultra strong. Um, for an auction, a dealer auction, and a dealer auction of that size, all three of those things taken into account, I think it was super, super strong. You know, like I was saying, there's so, so much of it, you know, every powered unit, I had a buy number figured, you know, on a sheet of papers going by that. And before, you know, and like I said, when, when it, when, when the previous lot would flip off the screen, the current lot's on there, but they're not even live selling it in the ring yet or on the ground. The internet bidding starts jumping, jumping, jumping that day, and it was it was unreal. And very little of it was, you know, a bigger percentage was sold on the ground than online. You take all those three things into factor, and it was, I mean, it was just a really hot sale. There was maybe one or two pieces in, in my mind that I would want to own at that number and still be able to, as you say, punch a ticket and jump out. Um, it was, you know, it, it was it was retail numbers. It was, you know, it seemed like hot action. There wasn't a long, didn't have to cry real long um, to get the numbers they got. And it was, 
God, it was just strong. You know, like yeah. Dave was saying, I don't know where they were at and stuff, but they ought to be just absolutely tickled shitless about how things did. Dave, what do you think was the, uh, this is, this is the kind of question that I've, I've asked a lot of people on this podcast about kind of where they see the direction of the market heading to 28 or 2018, not 28, 2018, 10 years from now, we're going to guess what the market's going to be. And, <laughs> You know, sometimes guessing six months is no different. That's that's true, but but David, when you looked at what they had to do, my my feeling right now is there's a lot of obviously there's pent up demand. Farmers love to buy equipment. That's that's what they enjoy doing, probably more than farming. But um, when you start looking at the things that guys are trying to recondition and trying to keep just kind of piecemeal together as much as they can. Do you think a lot of those machines, because they were low-hour machines, do you think a lot yep. of those machines drew those guys in thinking like, well, one, they're low-hour machines, and two, during the auction, they were reading off, you know, the litany of, of things that had been done to them, you know, during why they had them there on their lot. So you feel like maybe the, the hours and that kind of all played together in, in that perfect storm of, of I need to update my machine or pay a high-shot bill, that's kind of what was driving those prices? Well, here, here's what I, here, I I've thought a lot about it. I, I've been going on the road all week. I went to another auction down south uh, yesterday, and I'm, I'm still haven't made it home. But um, as these auctions have gone on through the year, you have seen less and less low hour, late model stuff out there. So this happens, and you get to thinking, okay, is it all? sitting there owned by CNH Capital and Dear Credit, you know, is it lease returns that are just stockpiled away somewhere? Or what's the story? Because what we saw happen Monday with the way commodity prices and, and the farm outlook is was forecast to be, that shouldn't have happened. Yeah. But there was such a there was such a glut or well it wasn't really a glut, but there was such a nice offering of low hour clean late model stuff and that's not you know i the the line i represent there were two red pieces on the whole sale but the neat thing about what mr sinclair would do was he would be up in the truck and he would just about i would say 80 percent of the machines he would tell them exactly how many dollars they had spent in reconditioning and you know he, he did a good job they just that whole thing i, I just think it was the planet lined up correctly Again, what we saw, I didn't, I, I didn't expect it to, you know, just because of the number of the same tractor or the same combine or the same disc ripper or, or whatever, even the planters, you know, those yeah. uh, those NT planters, some of those things were pretty old and they did really good. Yeah. The planters were the one thing that I thought had, they sold well, but I thought for what they were, they might have been a little bit soft. And I think that, is the guy upgrading to that planner mm-hmm. is he didn't he didn't have any any of the real command or any of that kind of stuff some of those had real command on there yes but didn't have the high technology stuff yeah so that kind of shows you what you know because there was a there was the example there of uh there was a kinsey planner that sold a 24 year old kinsey planner i think it was 3660 maybe yep if i remember right and right next to then the the next one to it was a 16 row john Deere 1770 CCS and McKenzie sold for I don't even remember the number off the top of my head, but I think it was something like sixty eight thousand maybe. And well, seventy two. 
72 okay and then the deer right next to it sold for what was it like 58 or something like that yeah <laughs> i think you're right and i was surprised that mckenzie sold for as much more than, than the deer did my my thought process was that kenzie had some more technology on it that the deer didn't have and <laughs> so i think only was, that but you're literally in kenzie's backyard you know right that's true yeah that's very true very true but so I think there's probably a, that planter thing is going to be going to be a bigger deal. I think coming into the spring, those used 1775 planters or stuff that's got precision on it, and or you know Kinsey planters that got precision stuff on that high technology, high speed planter stuff. I really think that's going to start really kind of really showing itself and, well, and what that value is going to be like. And here's the other thing on the planter market, and this is my opinion. You know, how many years ago was it that we just had a glut of planters? What, three years ago? I mean, yeah. we were all di- we were all dying with planters, but you know, company wide right now, we just don't have that many. So, yep, you know, supp- supply and demand. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in my mind, there was nothing that was too low because I didn't buy it. Right, <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> um, there was. You know, uh, something I didn't buy that I thought that I thought was was a deal, still kind of, was that uh, that sixteen M four seventy R four wheel drive. Yeah, just because it was a sixteen, you know, it's five hundred hours. The problem, you know, for what I would call all of North America marketability is. You know, it, it, it was cheap because it was a 16, but it was standard flow hydraulics bareback. You know, it was just yeah. a, it was just a lugging horse. And that, and that has a big impact in the four wheel drive market. Um, right. some things that I, there was three things that I thought were, oh my God, I can't believe it. And that was all three of those 690s. You know, there there's two fourteens and a thirteen, and granted, you know that's the years on them. Granted, they're a bazillion dollars when they're new, but and, and they were set up right. You know, they were all dual chopper contour combines, but they were still over a thousand hours. Yeah, you know, yeah. probably the number one biggest. Oh my God, was that thirteen six ninety at fifteen hundred set. And that damn thing brought 192. Yep. You know, that is that really blew my mind. Absolutely. I was shocked. Yep. Yep. David, what did you see out there that was a big shocker to you? Well, the red guy's going to gravitate to the only red piece there. (laughs) 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 But, but, you know, that Stagger 450 quad out there, it was a 13 model with 900 hours, and people were coming up to me, you know, I'm supposed to know what's this Mm -hmm. thing going to do, and I was guessing well under 200,000. Well, that crazy thing uh, brought 221,000. Yeah. And a jockey... Interestingly enough, a jockey that I know was about he he I sat there watched him. He he quit at two nineteen and I'm thinking, Good lord, how, how can he haul this home and but you know um to, that that was the thing that surprised me just because that's my brand and, and I just never thought it would get there. Yep. 
You know, something else, something else I was thinking too, Dave, as we were talking about the jockey buying and stuff, there, there was a few things that I know jockeys bought. I, I mean, that it was eye opening that they would pay that for what it was. And I think just like that contract and even for the farmer market, I think just the, you know, other than, you know, case in point that 690 i just said but them tractors by and large all them tractors were low houred they were low houred rigs and i think it was a huge huge driver for them bringing what they brought it was it was a big hour auction that was that was the thing too like and i'll I'll back to david's point there on that that was the one uh machine that i watched sell i wasn't even really paying attention to it and was selling i was talking to a guy and i heard someone say 215 in there when he was crying up there and i was like did he just say 215 <laughs> and, <laughs> and and the guy's like yeah they're, they're going so i started watching it, it closed at what 221 or 222 or yeah, whatever it was it, it, it was 221 yeah like, holy crap i can't believe that thing went for that kind of money because i was like well, i was with you david i was guessing 160 165 maybe 170 you know yeah. and I didn't think it'd get anywhere near 190, much less over 200,000 like that. So that, that was my that was my shocker. Of the, yeah, of and, the and then the other the other thing that kind of surprised me is is the lowest <laughs> hour tracker out there I think was that 8270R 16 model 183 hours. Yep, and, yep. and it's and the jockey bought that, and I'm yep. like, holy cow! But, yep. I, you know, I, I think those guys. And I know a lot of them. I think that you know they they're they're very good buyers, but I also think you know it, it takes a lot to get out there. And uh, I think they're going to buy something if they can go out that far. Right. Yep. That's exactly right. They kind of the don't go home empty-handed mantra. Yeah. Yeah. So. So this time last year we sell. We all sent watch that that SEMA auction, which is coming up on Wednesday next week. On the twentieth, and that was that's I, I could be wrong, but I thought that was thing was in November last year, but I can't remember when it was. But it had it, it sold pretty well and it did pretty good. So taking a look at what they have, and I haven't really studied the auction bill that much, but I know they have a a decent amount of equipment back on there. How do you think that one's going to play out, and, and what's your prediction for for that one moving forward? Because the day after this one, we watched the, uh, what was that one we watched online there? Oh, Steph's uh, Schrader. 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 Okay, Schrader. Yeah. <clears throat> that stuff on there sold really well for what it really? was. So, and that well, all, it was all, I don't mean it was a, we watched the online part, we weren't in person by any means, but I, it seemed I'm, like I'm that stuff predi- sold well. I'm going to predict that, uh, that SEMO will do really well too because Last year, I think it was on November 29th. They're a little later this year, but their timing is pretty good because they're coming right off the heels of Sinclair. Plus, it's another Sullivan. They've been promoting it pretty hard and heavy, and plus, they're going to waive the proxy bid fees again. Yeah. So, you know, if I'm a guy that wanted to buy something at Sinclair, I mean, the stuff that was at SEMA uh, last year was quality, just as good a quality. So I... I haven't studied the sell bill hard either, and I'm not going to make that one, but I think that they're probably sitting in a pretty good place today. Yeah, you guys think they got to have some level of uh, 
pretty high confidence that they're going to do pretty well coming off of what happened there. And yeah. it all goes back to even in the neck of the woods up there where they're going to be at, for the local folks that are going to be there, within a two or 300 mile radius of there, they all had good yields, you know? Yeah. And I, that was what was driving the buyers there. They all had great yields. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. And I think there yeah. could be some, some fun there again. I think so. Yeah, I I, th- I think their auction will be. It, it's a lot more diverse than uh, Sinclair's was. You know, there there's not such a large number of nine R's and eight R's and that kind of thing. Um, I just pulled it up here. There's, you know, there's there's a, a couple RTs, a couple eight R's, a couple seven R's. Um, some of that. Off branded red junk, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then combines, you know, there's they're just a few combines, and, you know, it's it's really very, very broad, even mix. So, you know, typically in a situation like that, you know, you'll have, you know, you, you could have an old 90, what is that thing on there that caught my eye? A 9100 series tiger you know that that's a pretty good looking rig shined up real nice you know that that could be a kind of auction on there where that thing takes off and runs and zone machine repeats tv show because of it you know it it could just be one of them kind of auctions where it's diverse enough you draw that kind of crowd and two guys fall in love and last one the last the last one with his hand up loses so Hey Casey, I have a question for you on, on on last Monday. You know, at a lot of these auctions you go to, you'll see two farmers that'll lock up. You know, and, and, and you know, ego gets in there and pride gets in there, and the next thing you know, they're they're paying twenty thousand more than they should have. But I didn't see. Did you know as much of that going on Monday? You know, I see a couple guys kind of start getting in a in a little bit of a pissing match with each other, but not really. I mean, it was. Yeah. I think. We talked to a guy that stayed at our hotel that had uh, – he came all the way out there from Greeley, Colorado to bid on a on a, one of the track machines that were out there. And until he got out there, he didn't even bid. He didn't even, I, don't, I don't know what he – what about, you know, didn't make him even bid on anything. But um, I didn't really notice that. You know, I saw a lot of guys that probably had a set number in their head. They ran it up to that. And I think there's a lot more – a lot of guys were being a lot more conservative. With, with the number that they were going to go to than they probably have ever been in the past where they had a set number and they can't go past that number and unless they got an extra five bucks in their wallet. And that, that's about all they're going to be able to do. And so I think that was probably, in my opinion, that's probably what was driving a lot of that. Was just, I've got 200 grand to spend and that's it. I'm not, I can't spend any more. So guys, I think we've covered it for this section. So I've got, coming up here next, I've got, um, Kurt Miller from Heritage Tractor and Jack Berg from Bodensteiner uh, coming up. Jack was pretty much in his backyard, so we'll get his his two cents on on what he saw happening, and, and we'll we'll go from there. But before we shut down, these two guys, do you have any any last thoughts about the about the auction or kind of going through the end of the year? No, hey, you know, just same thing a hundred times. It was it was a strong strong auction and. You know, I think that's a that's a good indicator for the industry that that everything's not completely dead, and 
you know there there's there's sales to be made out there if if you get after it so that's right get after it positive outlook yeah yeah it, it, it's a different year i mean we we've had a tremendous combine year um we've really done well but i mean the the and and i don't do retail at all i do mainly wholesale um but i do i do know the guys are having to the retail guys are having to get out there and hustle more than they have but going into i've got i have two more big ones that i'm going to go to next week and uh, now they're they're more consignment options they're not absolutes so it'll be interesting to see what happens there but uh, we shall see hope everybody has a merry christmas yeah you too man appreciate it guys you too all right guys all right thanks man you bet all right, hello, welcome back to Moving Iron Podcast. Now, on now I have with me uh, Jack Berg of Bodicider Implement and Kurt Miller of Heritage Tractor. Both those guys were there on site with me when we were watching that auction, uh, watching the auction on Monday. So, uh, Kurt, let's go ahead and jump in with you. So, give me kind of your kind of opinion of what you saw and 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 what was your reaction to the overall sale? Yeah, I I think they had a good sale. I think obviously timing is is everything in this market and I think uh Sinclair um probably hit the nail on the head as far as timing goes. You know, the market seems to be a little bit stronger now and and it seems like uh the ADAR market um is is uh picking up some strength and, and I think it showed at this sale. Um you know you gotta fill that's a lot of combines on one sale and in my best estimation I think they did good on every one of them combines and I think everything overall, I think it was a strong sale. I think I heard Solomon's today um, say that it was uh, $11 million worth of equipment that they sold. So a lot of equipment at one sale. Yep. So I think, like I said earlier, they're going to, they did a really good job about kind of how they staggered that stuff in there. And they wasn't, they weren't selling a bunch of stuff at the same time, all the same way. So it was uh, worked out pretty good. So, uh, Jack, what did you see there? And, and then with that being about 90 miles from where you're at, what's your reaction to the to the uh, auction? And how do you think it's going to affect what happens in your marketplace? Well, I would echo what Kurt said. I, I think the sale, all in all, was really pretty darn respectable. Um, values really, really seem to hang in there. Um, combines were, I think, really what what they should have been and, and and you know like you say to line up 30 combines of that caliber and and sell them that that's a task in and of itself and and uh dan and the guys at sullivan did a, did a good job mixing that in and and keeping keeping that moving and not having it turn into a um you know something like that can be a can be a bloodbath if you have them all lined up and start hammering down the row and then that didn't that didn't occur at all. Um, and, and actually, you know, the, the tractor the tractor values were good. Uh, planters, I was a little bit surprised myself. I thought for what the planters were that they they had on the sale, they they brought really good values um, on those items. So it's uh, never <laughs> never exciting to see that new of equipment in that kind of volume on a sale it's not really healthy for the retail business period but i guess the bright side of that is 
values were high enough that uh, I don't see it having um, some huge ripple in our marketplace. So, I mean, you're disappointed being that close to it that it occurs to start with, but I guess if, if there's a silver lining, and I think there is, that the values were they were very respectful when it when it all gets said and done. What do you think right now is is the biggest driver for demand? And, and either one of you jump in on this, but when you look at what's going on and, and the amount of equipment that's that we're looking at as far as valuations go and 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 all that. The, the commodity prices tell you that that they shouldn't be buying anything, but there's there's quite a bit of activity out there. Granted, there are a lot of bushels to go along with that, but like, what do you think the demand's coming from? I think, uh, I mean, my my opinion is, you know, I think it's uh, I think it's kind of been boiling up for a while, um, really all whole year, um, in in my estimation, and and even before that, some of these guys that are buying. You know, haven't bought for a while. One, two. Obviously, we have the year-end tax push. I mean, we all know that it's been a struggle for um, farmers. Um, it's been tight. Uh, it seems like they went, they got done with the harvest bushels at least, and in, in most areas were were there. Um, so they had a pretty good crop, and then they went to see their tax person, and the tax person said, "You're going to be, you know, you're going to be paying some taxes this year." And we all know that. You know, nobody, no farmer likes to pay taxes, and so they're investing that back into their operation, and and so they haven't invested in machinery for a while, and so they're uh, they're they're doing that right now, and I think uh, these year-end auctions are showing it. The 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 reflection of the numbers that we're seeing is showing a strong demand, and uh, and it's for things essentially things that the farmers are going to be using here really quickly. You know, obviously. A tractor any time of the year, but a planter and and uh, you know a sprayer, a couple of sprayers that, sh- that sold on there, and so and the anhydrous applicator, you know, 2510H, they sold for a strong price. Um, so I think uh, that's my take on it, anyway. Yeah, I, I'm on the same page there. I think your demand comes from the fact that a lot of guys have. have been out of the market for a while, and it, and it's it's just purely based on if they have an upgraded machine, then it's that's the machine that's, that's up to you know the if it's the combine or you know needed to do something different with the tractor or what have you. But if that's next in line to get upgraded, and say they haven't done anything in three, four, or five years, and now's the time. Now's the time. You know, if you're going to keep farming, you're going to have to keep keep viable equipment out there. I, I think that that drives part of it. And and the other part is nobody's situation, no no two situations are the same. So while one guy may be in a, you know, in a challenging position from a, a, a grosser net income perspective for the year, the next guy may be in, in just fine positions. So I, I think you're just going to, you're going to get some demand driving from from different places, the tax factor plays into it this time of year. I think just a, just a variety of reasons. I think we got to. I think we got to give it. I think we got to give it to Sullivan. I mean, I I, I tell you what, I was impressed with, uh, like you said, Casey, the lineup of equipment. They didn't have all the eight R's lined up. They didn't have all the nine R's lined up. All the combines. They had a nice mixture, um, and it was mixed in there. So essentially, most people hung on to the end or very, you know, very close to the end 
um, very professional. Um, they were straightforward. Um, you know, they, I think they did an excellent job on this sale. Um, obviously brought in a great crowd. I think they had like 600 online bidders is what, uh, is what they said. So an online presence that was good as well. So, um, and then Sinclair Tractor myself, I mean, I was impressed. And I think Sullivan said that, Dan said that a couple of times. You know, they had all the ROs that, that they had worked on the equipment. They printed them off. They told what they did. And all the equipment, I think, outside of maybe one planter, they they had worked on and done something to and got it ready to go for the next guy. So I think uh, Sinclair did their homework, too, and, and they, uh, you know, they they did a lot of work to prepare for the auction. And, and I think uh, between Sullivan and Sinclair, uh, them two married up together to have a, a good auction, and they did a lot of work to get there. That's one thing about Sullivan. They do, they do run a pretty good auction, and they've, they've had great success with, with, with the ones they've had out there. But kind of back to the point earlier of, of where, where I think demand's coming from, I, I'll kind of echo a lot of what you guys said, but if I kind of heard what you were saying, I am I think a lot of demand right now is coming from, I'm going to trade off my whatever it is because there's some reconditioning that I have to do, and I'm not really ready to make a payment and do a big reconditioning bill at the same time. I think that might have a lot to do with it and or just the fact of if I'm going to spend $30,000 to recondition the machine, I can take that same $30,000 and put it as a down payment on a different one. Put you in a different thing. This particular auction here was one of those ones that everything seemed to have low hours on it. You know what I mean? There was the combines were low hour, the tractors were low hour, you know, so there was a good opportunity for people to go and jump in on that you know, late model, low hour machine, and um, that had been some had some serious reconditioning done to it. Uh, I think overall, there's there's a good thing now. Let's do a hypothetical here. Say this auction took place in June or July or August or whatever. Do you think the same outcome would have would have been there? Uh, you know, I went to the Sullivan auction here. It was just north of our uh, north of our store. A pretty good sized producer in our area um, sold in August, and he had I think it was three. 8R tractors, um, and then uh, there was essentially three auctions just like within two weeks here in our area, and Sullivan's had done one, and, uh, you know, it was considerably different. Um, of course, it wasn't the size of this auction, but, you know, just, I don't know, just the uh, the presence and just the amount of bidders and the amount of activity that was going on at that auction in August versus this auction in December. It was just a different mood in the crowd. And uh, in this crowd, at least from what I gather, I mean, there was the, the guys that were bidding either online, obviously, or in the crowd, they were ready to bid, and they were there for a reason, and they were ready to buy. They they were ready to buy. In August, um, the, the auction that I went to, it, they, they just thought, well, if I get it bought, I get it bought. If I don't, I don't. And that wasn't the mood at at least what I gathered on this Sinclair tractor auction, it was like I'm I'm going to buy that piece and and I'm going to do everything I can to buy it. So, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. There, I mean, you're going to have a, a different, uh, at least in this case, it, it was definitely a different a different buyer at this sale than you have earlier in the year. Those guys were there to do business in in most cases, and you know. Sullivan's will do a great job any time of year. I've known 
Luke and Jim and Dan for quite some time, and 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 they do they do wonderful work, like you guys said, and they can they can get a crowd going, they can draw a crowd. I mean, they can get they can get the excitement rolling, but we've seen some. I think we've seen some very interesting things on this auction this week. We had a few uh, customers, like I said, we're relatively close to. Uh, well, we're both on the eastern end, Iowa, I guess you put it that way, our organization and, and Bob Sinclair's. And, and so we had some customers migrate down there to, to go to the auction. And, and, and I hand this to, to Sullivan. Truthfully, you get the excitement of an auction. There's some people that paid, quite frankly, that paid for some of the machines that they bought down there, a couple guys from our area, that they paid within a couple thousand dollars a list price of what we had for the same machine in a few cases. Yeah. So, I mean, yep. it, I, you got to give that the excitement of the auction and time of year, and you know, I just ready to do something, right? Yeah, I mean, when I look, I went back and I, I tried to do some correlations between what the sell price was and and then where we were at as far as our our house prices going. I'm still trying to kind of weed through that and kind of get a feel for where that's at. But I have a pretty good pretty good assumption that that there's going to be uh, you know what we're what we have. For pricing on our machines are going to be fairly close to what that stuff sold for. Like you said, Jack, I think a lot of that stuff was selling for close to retail, if not at retail. And um, I guess that kind of leads me into my my next point. Is it seems like the auctions that I've been watching here of late, um, and there are a few kind of here and there that aren't going to fall into that into the statement that I'm about to make. But it feels like that that retail um, and auction correlation is starting to get tighter. And I don't know if it's because the machines that are selling at that auction, we have machines just like that that we can't get rid of. And we were asking the same amount of money they sold for at an auction. So it, that tells me that the retail marketplace, and, and maybe I'm reading way too much into it, but it tells me that the retail marketplace and that the auction marketplace have a, a stronger correlation than they probably had in the past three to five years. What do you guys think about that? Well, I'd, I'd jump yeah. in there and say that in the, in the, in the farm retirement sales, I would say definitely the case. I think it, this sale would be a little bit unique where you could say there was definitely, like you said, you see a stronger correlation. Typically, you could either dealer sale or consignment sale. You wouldn't be near the correlation that you would have this, this last little bit here, but it could certainly be headed that way. Yep. Yeah, I'd I, I think you're right, Casey. Um, you know, I, I've been I've been thinking about that for a little while as well. Talking to, uh, you know, I try to give the sales guys some comparisons on auctions, um, just to, you know, just to put it out there. Obviously, because it's something that we need to be aware of. In my in my opinion, um, I get a little pushback from that. Like we're not an auction company; we're retail. Well, I understand that as well. And you know what? Ten years ago. And 15 to 20 years ago, for sure, in my opinion, that auction price was over here on the left side of the room and the retail was on the right side of the room and you talked about retail or you talked about auction. But in the day and age that we're living in where guys, Sullivan can have 600 online bidders on an auction like this and I don't know what percentage went to online auction, but I would say a pretty good percentage of it did go to online auction. So it's changed our market dramatically, and I think we have to be aware of that. We're mixing more of the auction prices with the retail prices. I, I'm saying that the dealer 
we have a lot more to offer. We have the value of, of extended warranty, the value of um, interest, and obviously the value of trading for the piece of equipment. And I think that's where dealers' strong points come in and the service and parts and all that. And I think that's what we have to do. We have to do a good job of selling that to our customers. But we have to do a good job of knowing where that market is, auction, wholesale, and retail, a lot more than we used to in the past. Because a guy in, you know, western Nebraska is going to know what an F670 is worth in eastern Illinois. I mean, that's it's just where we're at. Kurt, I, I think you're right. I think you're 100% right, especially when you get to the to the number of online bidders and, and really how the stronger auction companies provide far more competition today than they did not that long ago, right? Because it's so easy for any of our customers to go buy in these formats, either drive to wherever the auction's at or get online and buy free online bidding, you know, on and on and on. I think truthfully, guys, this is just my take on it. I think part of the root of the problem is that as as a dealer organization, this is a self-fulfilling prophecy. If we keep taking large volumes of late model equipment such as this and putting it in that funnel, we're going to get what we're getting out the other end of it and, and, and kind of polluting everybody's backyard with it in, in one way, shape, or form. Just my take on it, but the supply feeds the, feeds the issue. And That's a great point, Jack. I mean, I think it all kind of comes back to being disciplined about how you how you value your equipment and, and understanding the plan and and knowing what you're going to do when, when you make a when you make a trade in. Um, you know these mid, Midwest auctions, you know, are going to to draw in everything from you know basically the Rocky Mountains east to to what the Ohio River Valley, and that's going to be you know all the way down through the to the whole center of the country, and those, that that whole draw is going to be there. Um, you know, I don't know. It seemed like most of that stuff stayed right right around there. That saw it. It seemed like the art, the internet was was buying a whole lot that day. But uh, if you look around there, so most of that stuff's probably going to stay within a couple hundred mile radius. That being said, you know, uh, what is that? The twentieth? Yeah, next week. The Wednesday next week. I'm flying up to. Uh, Rochester to uh, Minnesota to go to SEMA's auction, and that's what 200 miles, 300 miles, something like that from from where this one took place at. So it's going to be interesting to see how those two correlate and what happens there, and if they have similar success, which I I don't know why they wouldn't. It's it's going to be a similar situation as far as crop conditions went and, and yields and all everything else. So there should be a very very similar thing, and a lot of the folks that were runner ups. Uh, and uh, at Sinclair's deal, they're going to be up there bidding on that stuff up there, the, the, just the same way. So um, it it will be uh, interesting to see how it works and how things shake out and what that looks at. But, but to your point, Jack, the more of these options that are there, the uh, the more kind of peanut buttered the effect across the entire country has as far as what the equipment value costs and and you know what customers are going to do what, what the expectations are. You're right, we do get some more, you know, low-rate financing, and we can get, you know, you know, warranties with PowerGuard or whoever it might be that you decide to use and, and, and whatever qualifies for what, and all those things kind of come together. But at the end of the day, <clears throat> with this next generation of folks coming in, do you think that online 
the online auction aspect of it will become even bigger than what it is now, where the live auctions probably won't be. Like, for example, there might be 150 people there, and there might be six or 800, 900 people on the on the actual auction watching. So, yeah, I think it makes it easy. I mean, let's face it, if you get a it, – it's a time commitment to go to these auctions, and yeah. it, it's so simple to, to jump online and – in the generation that we're in and, and heading into, it's just it's a way of life. So I, I think it, it, it's certainly something that we'll continue to see. In my opinion. I, I agree. I mean, it's so convenient to get online and and uh, watch the auction online, and you can keep doing other work in in, in your warm office. And I mean, I got cold that day up there, and it wasn't even. I don't know. It wasn't. I was bundled up, and I was uh, I was thinking, man, I wish I was in my office and and warm office. Yeah. But I think. Uh, you know, I still like to kick the tires. I still like to look at the stuff, and I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of farmers that like to do that. A lot of guys that are buying stuff at auction that like to do that. But uh, I think it depends on where it's at, and and just like the Minnesota auction. I mean, I'll be paying attention to that one, but I think I'm gonna just sit right here in my office and pay attention to it. I I don't know. I it'll be interesting to see what happens, and I think uh, ultimately for Sullivan's and any auction company, I think you got to have a mixture of both. You got to have a good presence at the auction, at the site, and then you got to have a good presence online. And and uh, I think again, Sullivan did that. Are any of these auctions going to change your approach to how you're going to look at your equipment? Well, I, I tell you, I walk out of the or excuse me, I walk out of the Sinclair auction and I feel pretty good about the way our organization looks at looks at values. Truthfully, yeah. I, you know, and, and to your about going to the auction, I, I kind of like to, when you have the time and the ability. I like to go to the auction. It's just a little game I play just to kind of check our organization versus the marketplace. I, I like to go to the auction, kind of take a stroll around before the before the bidding happens, or at least get a line or two ahead of the bidding and just walk around those pieces. And you know, we all probably play this game. You put your number on it. See where you think it falls, where you think it'll retail, where you think you should own it at, all that type of deal, and then just go back and see what happens. And I, I feel good after after uh, looking at what happened down there. I, I think truthfully, if that equipment, and, and I have no idea uh, how Sinclair's owned it, but if if they owned it owned it right, they probably could have done pretty good out of that deal. So I feel all right. But everybody has to everybody has to look at that via their local market too and their the demands of their business and competition and so on and so forth. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with you. You know, I, I think uh I, I left there with, you know, some confidence in some of the things that uh, you know, some of the inventory that we have priced and where we have priced and thinking, you know, I, I feel like we've all gone through sixteen which is tough and, and obviously starting seventeen was tough. It's been tough for a while, but uh you know we I think for a while we were all probably trying to figure out when's the bottom going to stop, you know, falling out of this thing and, 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 you know, whether it be a planter or whether it be, you know, maybe a sprayer. Well, now we're starting to see some traction on them planters. You know, we're starting to see some traction on the sprayers and, and the 8Rs. And, and uh, so I think we've, we're starting to climb that, uh, climb that mountain again and, and see some stronger prices. And uh, so I feel confident we're, we have our retail prices on our equipment, and uh, I left that auction with that confidence. And um, 
I think it gives us a good opportunity to go sell the value to our customers and, and be confident with our numbers. You know, obviously for a while there, it was hard to be confident with any number. Um, it, you know, you didn't know if you had, kind of like buying $6 corn and you selling it for $3, you didn't know if you had $4 corn or $5 corn or where it was. And so I think we finally found that bottom and uh, we can start to uh, have confidence in our numbers and, and what we're doing again because at least for me, I, I lost a little confidence in the last 24 months, I guess. <clears throat> yeah, I'm the same way. I think I left there feeling pretty good about what we had in inventory and how we were positioned and, and what that looked like and, and the values that we were putting on equipment. So I think we're going to be in good shape moving forward. And, and you know, guys, it's about some stability, right? And, and, and I think all of us walk out of there saying that at least there's some stability in the marketplace on that side. But any one of the three of us looked at that stuff and didn't see anything there that Twenty thirty thousand dollars off of what we thought it should have been. If anything, it might have been in the positive from where we thought it should have been. Yeah. So that's that's a good that's a good deal. And you know, swinging back to the planners again, it's been made mention. I was really astonished with the values of them, quite frankly, because they were they were okay machines on this particular sale. But obviously, there was there was some pent up demand by a few buyers for them because they went they went really really good. So same with that toolbar that was talked about earlier. It'd be interesting to see. And, and the one thing I'm watching and just kind of holding breath on a little bit is we get past the uh, end of the year here and get into January and February, and we turn the calendar. And what's uh, you know, what's the is the buying going to continue to be strong? And and so I think obviously that's the crystal ball, and everybody wanting to know what that's going to be. But uh, um, I'm interested to see what that happens. What happens there? Well, I think we've kind of covered it pretty well here, fellas. So, any uh, you guys have any last parting statements you want to make before we head out here, and maybe throw out some wisdom that I don't have to the rest of the world? I don't have any. Okay. <laughs> we're not we're not running an auction house here in uh, Northeast Iowa, but if anybody likes Iowa equipment, and they didn't get what bought what they want on on the uh, Sinclair sale. Come see me. Yeah. <laughs> Give Jack a call. He'll uh, he'll take care of you. I'll take care of them. So, all right, guys. Well, I appreciate you being on, and and uh, we'll catch you next time. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. I'd like to thank Aaron Fennell, David Gibson, Kurt Miller, and Jack Berg for being guests on this episode. Remember, if you'd like to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, or you can find me on LinkedIn. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at Moving Iron Moving Iron LLC now has a website you can visit, movingironllc.com. Here you can find information for the 2018 Moving Iron Summit in Las Vegas, past and current episodes of Moving Iron Podcast, and articles for Moving Iron Blog. Throughout the year, there will be guest bloggers writing on various topics from their point of view. If you would like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. And if you shop Amazon, please use the Amazon click-through at movingironllc.com. It won't cost you anything, and you'll still have the same experience you're accustomed to while supporting the podcast. You can find this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out.